Welcome to episode 63 of Cyclops is Waiting for Me, an X-Men the Animated Series weekly recap podcast. I'm JC, and despite what we're going to say in a few minutes, we actually recorded this and the previous episode, next episode, out of order. Good luck, Rod. <laughs> and I'm Rod. I'm probably tired at this point. <laughs> we only did two episodes tonight, and this is only the second one, so you well, have I mean, no excuse. I know, I'm mainly talking about editing Rod. Like, uh, editing right Rod, yes. <laughs> our sort of friend for later on. <laughs> right. Cyclops is waiting for me as our weekly podcast series where we're going back and watching every single episode of the original 1992 X-Men animated series in their original intended script order, building up Liar. the release of X-Men 97 coming to not D- 90 Disney Plus later this year. Yeah, this is all confusing. We recorded the one after this, before this, and then the one that's coming two weeks after the next one, or so three weeks from now, we recorded last week i'm all over the place luckily the story doesn't matter but in my head everything has happened like in different order (laughs) some quick reminders we are a recap show about a series that started now over 30 years ago there will be spoilers and if you don't want it spoiled for you pause the podcast watch the episode then come back and we will do our best to avoid mentioning anything from future episodes that we haven't covered yet that phrase (laughs) becomes much harder based on our recording order. We are not sponsored or affiliated with Disney or Disney Plus in any way, shape, or form. But who knows? Maybe they'll get to the finale on this and decide that they want us to cover X-Men Evolution. Oh, there you go. So yeah, I, I can't speak for the other shows. I've only think, really watched the X-Men anime show, but I didn't watch like the, the other animated shows in America that happened. So I mean, I feel like we have course. to watch X-Men Evolution because that's the literal origin of X-23. Oh, there you go. Yeah, oh, I'm down. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and I also, I've seen Pride of the X-Men, but you haven't, so I'm kind of excited. Yeah, we, we do have to do that one. I don't know when, yeah. but we have to do that one. I also just realized, because I usually don't drink during these episodes, and it's a funny order. I finished a whole glass of whiskey in the episode that you're going to hear next week, but is the second one for us today. So, so for the viewers, <laughs> you're sobering up, is what you're saying. Yeah, I think it's going the other way around right now. No, no, I'm saying, <laughs> God damn it, Rod. <sighs> oh, wait. Oh, I just put yeah. it together. Okay. Yep. Gotcha. <laughs> I'm a lightweight. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Cyclops IWFM Pod on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and Facebook. A TikTok about something random. I can't remember. I've been drinking. Kind of did more than our normal numbers since the Mystique one. I can't remember what it was. It was, was it like, the one about dancing? Because that one should not have gotten any. Uh, it was the one before that one. Uh, I can't okay. remember what we said in that. But it was like, why? Why that? Okay, sure. And of course, make sure to follow us on all your favorite podcast services. And finally, we record these episodes in batches right now in a weird order this time. So if we're reacting to any news about the upcoming series, we may be a few weeks behind. Or ahead. Um, Yeah, ahead. I forgot to pull this up, but there was a note from Brian again on our YouTube episode. I did remember to not bring it up in the next episode. I'm losing track of (laughs) it. Time is a flat circle for Rod right now. Right. Oh, you can't see this, but Lucy, my cat, is really vying for my attention right now. Oh, my so, so as we're recording this, Rod and I are on a Discord video chat, so we are able to react to each other. And every now and then, I just see the tip of his cat's paw pop <laughs> onto the shoulder. My friend Shawnee says it looks like, like a Muppet fake arm. So this is regarding the Phalanx Covenant episode. Brian says, I'm not sure that's actually Sabretooth at the beginning because the Phalanx couldn't assimilate to mutants yet. So I think that they might have used their mimicry powers to look like Sabretooth so they can infiltrate the mansion and more easily get access to Xavier's files. I could see that. I could also see it being a a, a story like loophole issue too. Oh, <laughs> loophole, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't disagree with Brian. It's totally a possibility, though. And, and that would explain why Wolverine said he smelled different, besides it just being also the failings or something. I don't know. Yeah, but 
yeah, good good point. Now on to the show. Today we're going to be talking about season five, episode five, titled "The Fifth Horseman." It aired on February 8th, 1997. Currently sits at a 7.2 star rating on IMDb. From an airing perspective, this is the tail end. I was going to say, this was a year after the next episode. <laughs> six months. Six, six months. months. Yeah. Yep. Like yeah, because it, it was a fall 96 episode. Airs next. I don't remember this episode at all. I know I watched all of them at some point in college, but I, this was just, I, I, didn't, I didn't recall anything that I saw in this one. <laughs> Yeah, it was, again, there's just that small group of episodes that I just missed, and this was one of them. So starts out with an indigenous kid, teenager, whatever he is age-wise, who's running, was trying to recognize, is this somebody we should know? As far as I could tell, it was not. And then what I did recognize is four people are in pursuit of him. I did not recognize them. I think the one with the horns that we find out later his name, I thought I maybe remember an action figure in like the later Toy Biz lines. I'm Caliban? Sure I'm yeah. Okay. I'm not sure if I remember that correctly, but he looked very, very familiar. So here's the, here's the interesting thing about the other three. They get referred to in the episode as the hounds. Mm -hmm. They are wearing the red spiky outfits that in the original comic version of Days of Future Past, the mutant trackers are the hounds. And they have no relation to this group aside from the tracking and like the physical look. But mm. those were not characters you should have recognized. So they kind of like MCU a thing that existed, you know, turning Taskmaster into a widow or something, you know, that kind of thing where like they like meld together. Yeah, I, th I think they got a little bit of like creative freedom of we're not going to go back to Days of Future Past. They weren't going to go and get Rachel Summers, a.k.a. Phoenix, to be a part of this story. So they decided to, to utilize the characters known for tracking in this grouping. And then we do get Caliban. Did they call him that at the beginning? Maybe I missed it. Cause I not, at it the not at the very beginning. Okay. I know Caliban because of the comics that he instantly was recognizable to me. And he was one of the ones who got a action figure. I don't think he was in the original Toy Biz X-Men line. I think he was in the Toy Biz X-Men slash X-Force line, which was like when they did the redesigned packaging and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so it was like the... It was either like real late 90s, or early 2000s. Late 90s, kind of I would say, yeah. yeah. But yeah, and in, in, in the comics, Caliban's mutant ability is tracking. So oh, it okay. totally makes sense that he would be in this, this kind of scenario. The bigger one? And this is not a spoiler because it actually took effort for me to find this. He's appeared in one other episode. That's where I recognize him from then. I doubt you did because he was only on camera for like a quarter second. The, oh. And he was in his depowered mode. Oh, okay, never mind then. Okay, so the powered mode was the action figure I remember then. Yes. Because I remember the design from somewhere. If you go to the One Man's Worth episode, when we are in alternate present, the med shack where they're taking Storm to, to get treated, he is seen for about six frames, and that is it. That's the episode where I was like, was that Darwin? And then we had that whole conversation. Nope, was that was Morph. Yeah. Oh, what? oh my God. I'm so Yeah. Because <laughs> there's the shot on the outside with the dude with the all white face. And that's Morph who's, that's what Morph is going to look like in the upcoming X-Men 97. And then inside, there's a quick pan over that shows three mutants really, really quickly. And he is one of those three mutants in his depowered mode. It is that fast. Gotcha. Okay. Okay, yeah. so, so it's just the action figure of the powered version that I remembered. 
Is it was the boomerang guy somebody we're supposed to know? None of the other three hounds were people I recognized. Okay. But yeah, it was big guy, boomerang guy, and whip guy. Yeah. Yeah, because they were introduced as if they were like a reference to something, but then not really ever again. They were always like in the group. I think that is literally just the hounds of generic mutant tracking mutants, essentially. Mm -hmm. They go after and they're trying to catch this kid and he's hiding behind the tree. They attack the tree with the boomerang. It falls, ends up causing a fire because an exploding tree would catch on (laughs) fire. And then they point out that they need him alive. That whole thing was kind of funny because... I guess, you know, we find out later they're not too experienced because, like you said, the tree explodes, but also like, it blocks off their way to get to him. So yeah. they slow themselves down. And then I have big laser shoots from hand, and then he knocks out the, the big hound, basically. Yeah. So I, that, that's another thing. I was like, okay, this is a specific character. Then I guess not. <laughs> no. I mean, he he might be, but he was not somebody. And, and, and we've kind of talked about this. When you get to these final episodes, the... Easter eggs, notes, etc., like tidbits that you're able to find online, just dramatically decrease in quantity. So, you know, there may be somebody who knows what the reference is, but I couldn't find it. And then they switch over to another area inside like a temple or something. I know this is wrong, but my I just think you'd get a laugh out of who I thought this was at the beginning. It was like, is this Hodge again? <laughs> He's talking to Apocalypse. It's just Why would you think it's Hodge? Because it was last time. <laughs> uh, but luckily for people like me, Apocalypse, who has this weird transparency effect over the statue. It was like a psychic projection. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I just mean like from an animation standpoint. Yeah. They were just like, they like overlaid it. He, he's like, Cortez. <laughs> he's like, okay, cool. We finally got the payoff from the Asteroid M episode of this is why Cortez is here. And then to their credit, they actually clarify when all the other stuff was happening he got brought in and then he was hidden as a contingency plan. I actually love that they they remembered to bring that up. Yeah, they showed the other characters that seemed like Deathbird and stuff that were right. all there. So yeah, it, it wasn't just like a, he mentioned it and then they went on. They actually yep. showed everything. So we get the story that essentially after the events of Beyond Good and Evil, Apocalypse is floating in the void. And because of a celestial alignment, they were going to be able to bring him back they phrase it as the time of the conjunction. Rod, did you freak out when you heard Celestial? Oh, I didn't even think about that. God no. damn it, Rod. <laughs> <laughs> I literally it, can what, never predict what you're going to pick up on and what you're not going to. Right. So was that what it was referenced to or is just a No, word? so at one point we actually see what this conjunction looks like in the sky and there's three dots in a triangle pattern essentially. Mm-hmm. I started looking up all the classic Celestials who would have been in the comics at the time of this. And I was looking for like, is there a combination of how the eyes are laid out? At least from what I could do from a, you know, cursory Google image search, there was not one who fit that pattern. So that's a good point. Yeah. I know I didn't even think about that at times. Like the yeah, that's the only thing that really differentiates mostly celestials, right? Like some of the head ornaments and then the, yeah. the eyes on the face. Yeah, and I mean it's known that Apocalypse's technology that helps keeps him alive is Like, he discovered Celestial Tech and has used it, abused it, and stuff like that. But I was like, oh, are we, like, getting a Celestial hint? Which was not a thing that was really talked about at that era, especially. And still kind of isn't because it's only associated to the Eternals. (laughs) But, anyway. Cortez is basically giving the same spiel to Apocalypse that he was giving to Magneto. Like, calling him Lord and just just felt like a fucking creepy cult. There was no other way to describe it. It definitely just felt like a cult. 
Yeah, and he, he's very much like the follower that always needs someone to worship. Right. It's kind of like you're, you know, that one friend that's never not been in a relationship, even if it's bad, you know? And I also, in this scene, saw one of the, the, the pieces of the animation that kind of changed with the difference in studio. If you look at Apocalypse's face, and apologies that we're not able to screen grab some of this stuff for you guys, because Disney Plus, if you try to screen grab on your computer, literally just makes your thing a black screen. Yeah. So that's a whole other separate issue. <laughs> but Apocalypse has, like, little fangs. If you actually look at his teeth, he actually has very, like, tiny fangs for his canine teeth now. Oh, man. And they, they end up doing that with, like, Sinister or something, too. Oh, like, Sinister already had those. Never mind. Sinister had, like, the shark teeth. Just, like, yeah. little tiny spiky ones all next to each other. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah, there's some continuity and some not. It's weird. I guess this could be chalked up to, like, he's coming back in a new form or something. So, sure. See, I just think it was the, the animation studio because there were character redesigns. And this is the first time we see the redesign for Jubilee because this is the first episode with her in it. And it's it's pretty obviously a redesign of the character because now she's definitely aged up a little bit. We have the confirmation that at the very least, she's 15 and a half with a learner's permit. Yeah, yeah, because she's driving. Yeah. I, I had a note here. And but... pretty competently. I will give him credit. She wasn't like driving like shit. Oh, that's right, because they weren't even in like the States. So no, there weren't like regular ro- like roads that they were used to in America or whatever. Yeah, uh, it was, she was my, literally off roading. My note here was that Jubilee looks like Gee from Captain Planet. Remember her with the water power? She had the same bob and everything. It's I, I, I can totally was, see it. Yeah, I don't know if that was just like '90s generic cartoon, vaguely Asian girl design or whatever. Right, but she was also speaking like really broken Spanish. I don't speak Spanish, and I could tell. <laughs> yep, yep. I, I wrote Jubilee was speaking Spanish and gets into a car with Beast and then driving and then sixteen question mark circled. I guess. Well, yeah, fifteen and a half. I guess it depends on where you were, right? Our area, you could get it at like fifteen and a half. I yeah. want to say until I was like thirteen, that was what it was, and then everybody started shifting it. Like you get your learner's permit the day you're sixteen, and then you can like do your six month trial and stuff like that. So. I can't um, remember that so long ago now. Jeez. I mean, God world. <laughs> we were we were children when this show came out, Rod. Yeah. Well, yeah. But she was basically saying to Beast how she'd wished he could have been there, that the shopkeep was really nice. Beast gives the obvious answer of, yeah, I'm sure he was. I still can't blend into other societies right now, you know? Yeah. Especially because they, you know, we find out as the episode goes along, they're kind of in a remote area where it's less like modern per se, even though they were at a general store. Right. But it wasn't, you know, it's kind of, it, it wasn't certain that people were going to like know well, what we, all these different mutants and stuff are. Right. Well, we get some hints that they're digging in the Andes. At one point, she says that they're 12 feet above sea level. So, like, this is not easy comms. Like, this is. Mm. You know, probably a little bit like that Japanese village that Logan went to in the previous oh, yeah. season. Nobody had really good internet back then in 97. This spot wasn't getting good internet for another 15 years. So. Yeah, yeah. They're yeah. just now getting <laughs> a line run out. <laughs> they now have, like, direct TV, satellite, internet, which is yeah, or, still garbage. Or what, what was the... Is the 56K modem? Was that the standard? There was, It was 56K, 56K, and it was, like, 30... What was it, 32 before that? Yeah, oh, yeah. 33. Oh, Speaking of Logan, though, like they just talk shit about him just randomly in the middle. Of this yeah, that was weird. <laughs> I think it never comes back up again. Yeah. But then she's really happy because she got to come with him. She bought him this world's greatest teacher mug 
and you know she's excited because she, she she's getting out of the mansion which we'll talk about oh. in the next episode yeah i totally forgot about that yeah. but beast really wants to go home it sounds like it's like he's at the tail end of this project this dig and he's like ready to go home and then he like goes on this little tangent about how nature has a dark side and i was like where are the fuck is this coming from i figured of all people you would be the one who loves nature the most and they they never brought that up again no nope. really. or maybe it was like vaguely kind of referring to the events that happens with apocalypse later but isn't that's not really that's a stretch so at that point we hop back and caliban is with cortez just panicking understandable and you know what we've seen with with cortez in the past not only can he power up somebody but he could depower them you get a little further insight that you know he needs to find this vessel to to be the host for apocalypse essentially and it's like cool get your shit together or i'm gonna make this worse for you and then he repowers him back up and i feel like this is level up for cortez too right because he was able to power people up before but this one he's like 10x yeah i mean because caliban was little scrawny dude he wasn't yeah. it wasn't like just making magneto better with his power like he actually physically enhanced this and I'm sure a part of that comes from, you know, being chosen by Apocalypse and, you know, we've seen what Apocalypse can do. And they, even though it's never said in the episode, the title is The Fifth Horseman. So that gives me the impression that Apocalypse did do something to him on a genetic level or an augmentation level to make him even greater than what he was before, you know, on this stuff. Yeah, he even refers to Caliban as a Morlock. So that's why I was like, how oh, have we seen him before? So I guess not. He was just trying, he was basically kind of insulting him. He was like, you're living well, in the sewers. In the comics, he was a Morlock, too. Yeah. And then I, we'll I was get... trying to remember if we saw him in the Christmas episode. We did not. <laughs> nope. Cut back to the Jeep. Jubilee almost drives them into a ravine. Again, new driver. And they see a local tribal bridge where it had the stone moorings that were ancient, but the ropes were pretty new. You nope. can tell that they were recently used, so he felt pretty com or Beast felt pretty confident they could cross. So Beast is like, yeah, we could just do it on foot, which that car is going to get stolen. Right. That's literally the first thing that came to mind is like, oh, in the middle of the desert, there's just a Jeep that's left there. Somebody's going to steal that fucking thing. If nothing else, just like the shit inside of it, because it looked like it was loaded with supplies. They just got went to the general store to get yeah, food and stuff. Be, <laughs> dude, that's totally worth stealing. So... <laughs> That's where Jubilee lets out the 12,000-foot comet, and Caliban, who is with the other hounds, is, like, eating lunch or something and senses the mutant in her. Now that you say that his power is tracking, that whole sequence makes sense. Right. Because if you don't have the context that his power is tracking, I that makes a lot of sense to me that you were like, what? <laughs> I just thought he heard her or something. Because, or, or, yeah, I mean, I know here he has, like, basically flashbacks of her. I guess it's just a sense but it's like flashbacks of the jubilee we knew with mm -hmm. like the pixie cut and stuff in the old animation style it's sensing of a mutant power is essentially what he gotcha. is able to track and i guess it's level right because cortez said it has to be like a worthy vessel or whatever or powerful mm -hmm. enough yep so beast is checking out the the pictographs on the sides of those uh, moorings and realizes that they're mayan and thank God they spelled it out because I was like, I would not remember where Mayan and the, the various South American tribes where they were placed. And he's like, yeah, we're about 3000 miles too far south for this. He originally reads it. I'm trying to remember, right? It was like the temple is in the consecration of the end of the world. It's yep. like, oh, that's really that's really doom and gloom. Yeah. And he starts sussing out. It's like, oh, it's a very nuanced in translation. 
Yeah, and it's like, oh, it's actually consecrated to Apocalypse. And he says, <laughs> to Apocalypse, not to a apocalypse at that point we get where they call out one of the hounds by name and his name is blade oh oh wait that's confusing because I, I know there's a blade in the marvel universe without being able to look it up off the top of my head i think the blade in the spider-man cartoon had already been on air before this would air i think i'm not 100 percent sure but i know that the blade in the cartoon led to the blade in the movie I feel like the timeline lines up that that blade would have been there first, but tell us we're wrong in the comments because we're usually good at that. Oh, yeah, and then this is also where Caliban gets his name called out. Yes. So Green Boomerang pops up, the whip comes out, and Beast is like, hey, yeah, we're 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 chill. We're, we're going to leave. Our bad. <laughs> we don't need to be here. Jubilee runs off. Beast starts to fight. And that's where, to your point, Caliban remembers Jubilee. That's where he gets the flashbacks, realizing that it's her. The bridge collapses because Caliban basically stops the boomerang from hitting Jubilee, which these hounds are not smart. Like... <laughs> Caliban is the, is the only one that's not an idiot because they're like, yeah, let's keep blowing up the vessel. I feel yeah. like Cortez did a great job finding Caliban. The others are fucking idiots. <laughs> that's why there's so much pressure on Caliban because he's like, you're the only one that can really... You're the only one that understands that you don't kill the thing you're trying to take back alive. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> fucking Caliban. But the, the rope bridge breaks. Caliban basically like reaches down, does the last minute save, and then the green whip is able to grab him and pull him back up. And he's just like, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a little confusing because I, I, it wasn't confusing. I guess it was just like, I was like, what is he going to do now? Because they're walking towards Cortez and he didn't seem to have a plan. Oh, he so definitely didn't have a plan. So you're still delivering her. I think it's but. literally because the hounds would have stopped him. Like he, mm -hmm. it's easier for him to come up with a plan as he has more time than to panic. I think yeah. Caliban is actually a very smart character in this. As doofy as he sometimes is, <laughs> it, it's like, shit, I probably shouldn't cause a fiasco right now kind of scenario. <laughs> yeah. Then they arrive. I believe, again, they specified that these were Mayans. I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure they specified that. But they all have the apocalypse, what I refer to as the lip makeup. Yeah. Like yes, you're doing that on a an, an audio yeah. podcast, yeah. Rod. <laughs> yeah. No, they, they yeah they go it goes like from the ear through the jaw. Yep, and then back up. up. It's a more refined version of Heath Ledger's Joker. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but Beast recognizes that there's another Lazarus Temple, and we do get the confirmation of the timeline that this has obviously happened after the events of Beyond Good and Evil, because it's specified that Cable blew up the other one, and that's where they they see Fabian, and he is like douchebag high priest of Apocalypse. There's like. That's the best way I could describe him. Yeah, he's back. He's back in it because he lost faith in Magneto. He, yeah, I guess to his knowledge, he lost Magneto. He doesn't know he's alive, right? Yeah, he would. He wouldn't have a way of knowing that. Yeah, he, he might, but they didn't give us any indication that he did. So actually, you know what? He probably know. would. He probably would know because he worked for Apocalypse. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah he's also that guy. Or unless there's, I don't know. Either way, he found a new master, and like yeah. that's his. Thing. he can't be without a leader no he is he's totally a follower and the one time he tried to be a leader he fucked it up in like <laughs> less than 24 hours oh yeah that's right because he tried oh. to lead, lead a coup that was, right. that was interesting. a very very poorly planned coup so we get a flashback to the apocalypse and the events from before beyond good and evil and yeah he basically said he was sent to wander the world and essentially be the fail-safe plan and create the hounds that was the role that that he was given by apocalypse I will give them credit. This was a clever writing trick 
to extend what was going to be the finale of the series. And yeah. It was believable. Yeah, it was just really kind of weird that we like we lost Cortez after having that moment at the end of it, but it did pay off. So, mm-hmm. you know, it was it was kind of like probably one of those, well, we have this if we need it. We don't have to use it. And I'm glad that they did. So Beast starts to say, well, your 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 problem is with me. Let Jubilee go. And I'm pretty sure there was no way that was going to happen. Right. I didn't have a better way to describe this. It just said Cortez hulks Beast out. Like- <laughs> yeah, he... He essentially is, you know, I've done this a bunch. I've never seen what the max is, so I'm just going to keep going until he either explodes or I run out of my power. Oh, that's right. Yeah, he, w- he was like, he's either going to survive or he's not. And if he does, then he might be worthy. <laughs> right. And again, having not watched this final batch of episodes in so long, I was like, wait, are they saying that the fifth horseman is beast? Oh, that's true. That was right. a question I, again, because it never actually gets addressed in the episode formally. I was like, yeah. oh, is is that status of becoming the horseman? You know? Yeah, I guess it's it's kind of like how they do you know different TV shows and stuff now. Is it like open ended? It's kind of Cortez. It's kind of the main storyline and the B plot. Right. All have like they fit that thing. Like they're all the fifth horseman in yeah. a way. <laughs> That unfortunately for Cortez, the power up does not go the way that he wants, and he overpowers Beast, who gets like all spiky. And we talked about it in in an upcoming episode where he basically starts spouting spikes out of him, and it reminds me of like a mutated Hulk, like Weapon H style character from the current oh, comics. That's what you guys were talking about. With that's what stuff. that's what we will yeah, be talking about. We'll be talking about. I'm losing my timelines in the real life now. God, I wish that this was a time travel episode <laughs> that we were recording out of order just to totally mess with your head. That would be funny. Did you see the thing I posted on our IG stories the other day? Like, I think only 90s kids know posted the 10 storylines for every X-Men episode. No. It was pretty great. You could tell that Rod and I communicate really yeah, right. well. Well, we're was, not actually recording. You can look at it after this. It was it was very very various like things. Like number one was like aliens fuck up Scott's day, and then two like time travelers fuck up Scott's day. <laughs> like someone fucks up the ma- the the mansion. It was like multiverse fucks up Scott's day. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was it was it was great. To be fair, he deserves it. Right. <laughs> but that is where you actually see the three dots in the air that I was trying to figure out if it was related to the comic proper Celestials. Yeah, and they never come back to that either. We, we kind of do. Okay, well, did they explain it? Like no. It's, an alim- it's an alignment. Yeah, it's an alignment. But... It's, it's Celestial Bodies. It's not Celestial as in capital C Celestial. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. So they take Jubilee below. Caliban begins to plead, let us find another vessel. And Cortez is not having it. And, you know, it's like, is this sympathy you have for an X-Men? It was so condescending for a dude who's literally only interacted with them for, like, again, 24 hours. Yeah, everything happens kind of quick. They need to expedite everything. He confirms that she's going to be sacrificed. It cuts over to Hank, who decides to demolish the truck, which has not been stolen yet. But they weren't gone that long, right? It it became nighttime, so I'd say it was at least like (laughs) three, four hours, probably. But it doesn't matter because he just like, once again, he does like a Hulk thing. He sees himself in the mirror and that pisses him off. So he like rips off the door, 
flips the car, and then he sees the picture of the X-Men and gets like a little confused by it. I thought yeah. that was going to be like a, a a moment where he he realizes that he's still in there somewhere. Right. And I was they, totally they... expecting that. I was so happy they didn't do the trope. <laughs> like I thought all of a sudden you were going to see like the one tear pop down from right. his eye, <laughs> and, it, then, like, and they it... didn't do it. I actually liked that they didn't go the tropey route. The tear lands on the ground like a flower sprouts, and then he this, finds this is, <laughs> Sir, this is not the long shot episode. <laughs> right. But they they faked us out twice. Yeah, because he finds a picture of him in Jubilee that, <laughs> and it doesn't really amount. To, I mean, maybe he's supposed to add up to something. I mean, I guess it kind of convinced him, but it wasn't. It didn't like turn him back into right. He doesn't. He doesn't become sane again. Yeah. Yeah. But he then just proceeds to like jump across the ravine again, <laughs> <laughs> which would have been handy earlier. Yeah. So they we cut back to the pit. Jubilee is there. They bring her to the altar. She's like asking for help, begging, and Caliban is like, "No, I will. I'll take her place." And Cortez is like, why would I want you? You suck. Here's the funny thing, though. I kind of get it. And I'm like, I'm not saying Cortez isn't a piece of shit, but he thinks of this creature to be so lowly that he doesn't want his god to invade that thing's body. Like, he considers yeah. Jubilee a level of worthy. So I kind of get it. He's like, no, 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 you, you were the sewer trash. I, I, in my evil way, I can't justify using you. And I love that it never crosses Cortez's mind that either he's being set up to become the vessel or that he is also not worthy. Yeah. <laughs> I found the 10 basic X-Men plots. These are great. Number one, aliens ruin Scott Summers' day. Yep. Number two, the teenage female audience surrogate Kitty Jubilee or Armor does something cool. Number three, bigots ruin Scott Summers' day. <laughs> Four, Storm wrestles with her leadership position. Five, time travels ruins Scott Summers' day. Six, everything's connected to Wolverine. Seven, literal demons rise from hell to ruin Scott Summers' day. <laughs> That's probably in one of the, the later se series, but yes, yep. Eight, Professor Xavier turns out to have done a bad thing once. Oh, God. <laughs> Nine, the other X-Men ruins Scott Summers' day. Pretty much all of those <laughs> apply to this show, except for the demons. And the number ten. Phoenix shows up, probably to ruin Scott Summer's day. Yep. <laughs> Props to whichever site we stole that from. Nostalgic 90s. And yep. I don't know where they got it from. That's where I found it. Oh, they definitely stole it from somebody. <laughs> so Caliban, fed up, definitely didn't like being insulted by Cortez either. Just drops Cortez pretty, pretty handily, takes him down, yeah. but then starts to fight the hounds. Still three versus one. He can't take all of them down. He gets overwhelmed. And that's where we see depowered Caliban. That is the Caliban we saw in One Man's Worth. Uh, okay, yeah, that's what I figured. That's the Morlock version or whatever. Yeah, and then Cortez does the whole, like, you're not even worth my time. Apocalypse is going to call the week. And it's like, if he's not worth your time, why is it worth your God's time to kill him? Right. <laughs> Just drop him off the ravine. Apocalypse comes back, but also so does Beast. <laughs> yeah. Beast comes back. At that point, Cortez learns the error of his ways because Caliban goes and starts unhooking Jubilee. As that's happening, Beast fucks up Temple is the note. Yeah. Beast smashes the temple, which is like, where's Storm? This is her thing. Killing people with buildings. <laughs> also boats. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just some sort of like vessel that people are in. Right. So Jubilee proceeds to zap Cortez. Temple starts collapsing. Beast runs up and goes to Cortez. And what I could only assume is Beast was going to eat him. Yeah, I, I thought he was going to either that or just rip him in half. 
like Mortal Kombat that shit. Not on the show, obviously, but like you know, because he was going full berserker. Oh man, there is there is now the picture in my head of two characters that you won't be familiar <laughs> with. I I'm pretty sure Ares and the Sentry. They sound familiar, but I don't. I can't. So there it. there is a story where the Sentry literally rips Ares in half, and I just picture Beast doing that to Cortez. Right. <laughs> It's a great death scene. I, I will send you a, a picture of that one. Yeah, because it's just the the momentum. They, you know, with all the joking we make about how like weird the animation is in this last season, they did a good job of like showing the momentum of him. Yeah, running at Cortez, like, oh, he's gone. I know they're not going to show blood on this show, but holy crap! Well, they also with the way that he's animated while he's powered, Caliban size, and then the muscular hulking one of the hounds. Like, there are some pretty beefy oversized <laughs> characters in this in this episode but yeah so cortez depowers beast to not get ripped in half cortez goes and grabs the gun but jubilee makes the save jubilee then grabs hank and and caliban and they start to make their way out as the collapse is happening and they're all used to this they're like well we're both killing a bunch of people in a building and leaving a villain with as a loose end Right. But Cortez gets trapped by a rock. I thought he was going to be done. I thought it was just going to crush him, like, straight up. Hank is like, oh, no, we can't leave him. And Jubilee's like, no, fuck that guy. Right. I just just want to hear the re-edit of this show with how we would write the character dialogue at this point. (laughs) (laughs) Because, yeah, actually, Jubilee being, you know, a late teenager or mid-teenager or whatever, that would be her response. She might even, like, look back and zap the rock to give it a little push. Or at the very <laughs> least, like, turn back middle finger in the air, you know? Yeah. <laughs> With the zap. <laughs> yeah. So the temple continues to crumble. They're outside, and you see them telling Caliban, who's, you know, in his depowered state, to come back home. He feels like he doesn't deserve the help, and, you know, Jubilee does what Jubilee does, and says, you know, it's it's not your fault. Which, yeah, yeah. I, he also was in a, probably an awful scenario, being in then the Morlocks gets overtaken by this religious lunatic. It's, you know, I'm not saying he doesn't have to atone for it, but also his head got messed with. So well, it's, it's kind of like one of, <laughs> one of those, you know, we're even now. You got us into this mess, but also we wouldn't be able to get out of it without you. So let's just call it like. Or Hank would have eaten everybody. <laughs> so that was yeah. another funny thing. Cortez, he I, we knew that he could depower people that he powered up. Yeah, but he didn't think like when Beast went wrong earlier. He didn't think like, oh, as he's running into the woods, let me like not have that wild animal running in the woods be a loose end. But and I come back and get me. I think it literally came from it being it's a wild animal, not a like cognizant animal. Yeah, and also that's just from the point of view of like an audience person, you know, somebody watching it that knows the tropes of like. What could? What's the worst that could happen if I let that hellhound loose in the woods or whatever? They're not going to come back in the third act. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we we do understand storytelling, and from the perspective of a character, they don't know which act they're in. End up back inside the temple, and Cortez is there, still stuck. Apocalypse is still incoming, and he's like, "Yep, yeah, no, sorry, there's no vessel." And Apocalypse is like, "No, there's a vessel." Yeah, what are you talking about? <laughs> no, so. I, I did appreciate the animation that they chose to do for it. I know that's weird on these episodes to say I appreciate the animation, but you literally see the astral plane style equivalent of Cortez's soul get sucked out of his own body 
and then he transforms the physical body transforms into apocalypse so that kind of implies that they swapped places then right yeah so now cortez is like trapped in whatever that like weird like time axis the the yeah. void yeah 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 <laughs> which is like because, worse than dying yeah because you don't get to die <laughs> Yeah. Because Apocalypse isn't going back to help him. And he's stuck with weird, annoying Kang. Is he? I don't know. Oh. You won't find out in next week's episode, I'll tell you that. Yeah, we definitely won't <laughs> find that out in next week's episode. So, that's how it ends, with the Apocalypse evil laugh. Yeah. I do love this show. Batman sometimes had, like, the bittersweet endings and stuff like that, or just, like, the somber Batman endings. This show had villain endings. Like, straight up, oh, yeah. this show ended with, oh, Apocalypse won. Like, let's yeah. be real. Apocalypse actually won. Maniacal laugh and all. Yeah. And so I honestly don't remember if he pops back up in this fifth season. So I can actually confirm this is the final appearance of Apocalypse in the original 92 run. He, oh, nice. He had 11 appearances in the series, like, episode count. So we're m almost certainly going to see him in 97. I don't see how you don't. He's... Because He's remained such a cool and important character in the comics since then. He's a cornerstone of that world. And this ending is like a gift to the next writer. Pick it's like, up, hey, you, know, like, you get your toy back. So open. They could do anything with this. Apocalypse could hide for another thousand years. Yeah. We could pick up right from the temple. Any or Anything in between. So some of the other notes that came from Eric Leewald on this one, the change in design did bother him. And like we <laughs> talked about it like, Beast was obviously not as dramatic, but Jubilee's design started changing. And he literally talks about how the change in the opening song and everything, why fix something that wasn't broken, you know? Especially yeah. something as iconic as the opening theme. It's weird because music, law is and rights are already so weird even to this day. Right. And obviously back then was weirder. Hence why, you know, Ron, who did the theme song, wasn't really known to the public for like a decade or so. Of course. Until the internet. But also then it's like, you don't know, like, was there a weird thing internally where they couldn't use the original recording? So like Saban was like, make a cheap version. Kids won't notice or something. They needed something or they needed to change something enough. Or, so it, was the, or it was the shake it up because it's the last season and we want to stand out. Because it's one of those things where design changes and music changes are great if they're great or they miss if they miss, you know? Right. If you stay tuned till next week, you'll hear our guest thoughts on this new theme song. <laughs> yeah, you should. You, we should shout out who our guest is for next week. Yeah, next week is my buddy Carlos Casillo. As some people will know, is the Nostalgic Latino. I accidentally stumbled into Nostalgia TikTok, and so I made a few friends there. Carlos actually found me, and I'd already seen his content. Li likely you have too. He, he kind of blew up from doing, you know, silent-ish comedy. Whereas mainly like little vignettes of 90s, 2000s, you know, like millennial humor remembering. He calls it unlocking memories. So he'll be on next week. I can say since we've recorded that it, it was really great. Yep. <laughs> it was good to hang out. Yep. You should check that out. It's the weirdest episode. It is the weirdest episode. <laughs> and then in three weeks from now, we also have Michelle Waffle, who I've met through X-Men fandom at conventions like Comic-Con and WonderCon. So we pre-recorded two episodes with awesome guests. Final notes about this episode, though. They were going for what was described as an Indiana Jones vibe, and I, I, I could, could see, see that. that in hindsight. Eric was also very much impressed by the nerve of Cortez as a character, because it's <laughs> like, damn, he's ballsy, and he literally is so arrogant that he never thinks that Apocalypse is going to turn on him. He thinks he is that fucking valuable that he's not going to get turned on. Oh, yeah, that's what I said earlier. I was like, Beast warns him, but also, like, you never, you don't think that either you're going to be the vessel 
Right. Or there's something else. And then the last notes that were floating around online was Caliban is obviously familiar with Jubilee. The impression that the online community is given is that they met during the Christmas episode because that would have been the episode where Jubilee met the Morlocks. Mm-hmm. So even though it was not on screen, that is where they likely cross paths because he specifically remembers her actions and her generosity. Sure as hell wasn't when Storm became the leader of the Morlocks, right. I'll tell you that. Yeah, that's why I thought, like, did we... Because I, I know it was... Well, I can't remember anybody's names. Leech. I know it was definitely Leech and then the little girl. Maria. Maria. Yep. I was like, was there another kid that I don't remember? Nope. Or something? But also, depending on how many years it's been since, maybe this has been a tradition. They go down to the sewers and hang with Morlocks for the holidays. The only other spot when I was doing some image searching on it is there was a shot from the Slave Island episode where there was a character who looked a little bit like Leech, who could look a little bit like Darwin, even though we know Darwin didn't exist in the the comics at the time, that... He was standing next to Farrell from X-Force, and that could also have been Caliban in Genosha, but Jubilee wasn't there, so she wouldn't have met him at that point. So it's <laughs> got it's got to be the off-screen meeting yeah. at Christmas. Christmas makes sense. because Yeah, that's why he would go to all that trouble to risk his life. To When we say Apocalypse, that's his name, but also, like, in that world, that's the ultimate power, right? Like that's the That's the deity. He's, world. He, he he's never goes away. Top notch, yeah. <laughs> Final thoughts? You know, I did not enjoy this episode, but now that we're talking through it, the story points were better than I remembered or experienced them. I think we say this next week too, but like just the animation style makes us forgive less yeah. about these episodes. Yeah, the, the animation not being the quality that we had gotten used to. And it's like, it's not even the B team. It's literally like the equivalent of the C team that is doing these episodes, so... That part isn't great. At least this one fits within the continuity of the show. Very well within the continuity of the show. But if you want to see the opposite of that, tune in next week. Definitely watch it. We don't follow up on what happens to the events of this episode whatsoever. (laughs) Thank you guys for joining us. If you have any thoughts, please make sure to drop them into the comments for either the YouTube upload or the official Instagram post of this episode. If you like what you heard, we'd appreciate a rating on the podcast app of your choosing or all of them if you so choose to do so. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and CastBox. We only got like five episodes left. It's kind of sad. Oh, also, Amazon Music's a new thing. Hi, Amazon people.